Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10-11 is our time as we roll on this Wednesday morning of... Uh, Maybe impromptu radio, Bruce Siski show here on KDAL. If you're tuning in for Sound Off with Brad Bennett, uh, he'll be coming up at 11 o'clock at the uh, normal time this morning. That's because the Twins game, uh, playoff game for tonight, has been shifted, and they're playing a night game instead because television rules everything we do in sports, including game times for Major League Baseball playoff games as the uh, Twins and Astros playing a night game on account of the fact that the Rangers knocked out the Orioles last night. So this is the only game in the American League Division Series today. 6 p.m. for the first pitch. Coverage at 5 here on KDAL. We'll talk some Twins here off the top of the radio show. Uh, coming up later on, about 25 minutes from now, Kevin Falness, Minnesota Wild Radio Network. We will preview the Wild, who open up tomorrow night at home against the Florida Panthers. Joining us right now, the Locked on Twins podcast, Access Twins, our friend Brandon Warren. Good morning, sir. Hey, good to hear from you again. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing great. Uh, we're excited because we at least have one baseball team that can win one playoff series at least, and that'd be the Twins. Uh, they've got a chance tonight to extend to a Game 5, and it's a must-win, Brandon. The reason for it, of course, is that yesterday the uh, Astros' bats showed up and the Twins' bats did not. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty easily put there. Christian Javier having another great playoff start, which is something we've grown accustomed to here in recent seasons. But, yeah, the offense for the Twins, three hits in all, um, you know, one extra base hit. Just They had nothing going all day long, struck out 14 times. Really, their biggest boost for offense was walks, and they didn't turn those into anything. So, yeah, it, it looked like the vintage Houston Astros on offense. Jordan Alvarez is an entire beast of a man, and the Twins just have to figure out how to pitch him because um, – you can't let him alone beat you, and that's what's happening right now. And nothing kills a frenzied, psyched-up crowd like a 440-foot three-run home run in the top of the first inning, which is what Jose Abreu did to him yesterday, his first of two on the day. And it, it just, it, yeah, yes, the, the crowd got into it in the bottom half, and the Twins got a couple of runners in scoring position, but it was never the same as it was at the start because the Astros put up four runs off the hop. Yeah, the four spots are hard to overcome. And I think Javier pitched better because of that, too, because you taking the mound with that kind of lead allows you to do a lot of different things. So, yeah, Twins digging a hole that early. You can't really blame the fans for being taken out of it. But I still think they showed up, they showed out, and they're going to need to do all the same and then some in this one. But uh, so far, I think the fans have done a pretty good job of being hot, even when the Twins have not at different points of the series. Yeah, I think, you know, the fans have – they showed up in that Toronto series from the start. They were great. And, and, you know, the players talked about the impact that makes. And, you know, I think a lot of people maybe on the outside don't necessarily think it's that big of a deal in baseball to have a, a boisterous crowd in, in your favor. And maybe the, the records of home teams in these playoff series so far would lead them to uh, to believe their argument has more validity to it. But, these you know, you, you get in these environments, it's pretty special for guys to play in this – they want to be a part of this. They want to play in these environments, and you know, I thought the Twins have, outside of yesterday, the Twins have played pretty well in these in these po- in these play uh, playoff games. 
Yeah, no, they've they've represented themselves well, especially when you look at the AL East didn't win a single playoff game. Huh. So, no, the, the Twins have acquitted themselves just fine, and and I think fans have done a good job bringing them along the way. Uh, obviously, fans, the noise is not the reason you win or lose, but it certainly can help create a hostile environment, which might lead to other things more directly resulting to wins and losses. But again, uh, the fans have been great outside. I didn't like them doing the countdown for Christian Javier because it was kind of allowing him to just focus on the batter and not the clock. They were reading it exactly as it was going. you got to have some misdirection there. <laughs> you said the same thing Aaron Gleeman, I think, said it from The Athletic. He was tweeting yeah. about it during the first inning. I'm like, he's right. They should be When it gets to five, they should start at ten and, and try to throw him off a little yep. better or, or you know, say the numbers out of order something. Yeah, go uh, like college basketball on the bit with the uh, shot clock. You know, you got to mess with them. And that, they, they were actually making it easier, which is, uh, I guess, Minnesota nice to the nth degree. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, it is. Brandon Warren, Access Twins, Locked on Twins podcast. Uh, so you mentioned the, the Twins had opportunities yesterday. They were one for nine with runners in scoring position. They were two for 12 in those situations in game one of the series in Houston. But uh, focusing quick on yesterday, it felt like you know, Javier was wild at times. And the Twins, it felt like from a, an approach standpoint, did a good job of you know making him throw good pitches. The problem was when he got in a pickle – that was all he threw was good pitches. Yeah, he had, a, he had a really good outing. I mean, you look at five walks and you think he would have been just all over the place in a mess. But uh, honestly, 53 strikes and 87 pitches kind of indicates that it was a pretty concentrated bout of wildness. And he just buckled down, like the guy said. Uh, he got into that third jam and it was like, okay, what is that third jam going to look like? Are you going to be able to navigate it? And he did. And then gave it over to the bullpen who, who took care of business. But Javier did an incredible job, and you can't do anything but take your cap off to him. Um, you know, he gives up one hit, and it's somehow worse than his most recent outing. Um, just an incredible pitcher, and he did what he's paid to do. Uh, Brandon, as we look ahead to today, Joe Ryan gets the ball against Jose Arquiti. You know, this strikes me, and I know the numbers aren't very much in Ryan's favor, but this strikes me as the kind of game where – Basically, Joe Ryan's got to throw the game of his life today. He, he's a fastball pitcher against a fastball hitting lineup, which doesn't seem like it's a good combination. And the Astros hit, you know, one through nine, this is as good a lineup as, he, as you're going to see just about anywhere. And it's a, it's a matchup against Arquiti, who is very clearly not one of Houston's best pitchers right now. So the Twins need Joe Ryan to make a statement early with his fastball. And I don't know if he rely on secondary stuff more or what. And I don't know how long he'll go. It could be the game of his life, and it only goes three innings because they lift him so he doesn't face Jordan Alvarez twice. But they need a strong start on both sides because Rikidi, with an ERA over five, gives you probably your best chance of blowing a game open early than you have uh, against any opponent in the postseason. This is, this is about their best chance to jump out quick. So Ryan's a—he's primarily a fastball guy, and we saw him run into trouble in Atlanta. Yep. And I know he's—I know he. You know, Sounds like he was pitching injured in that Atlanta game, but he ran into a lot of trouble in Atlanta because Atlanta is the best fastball hitting team in the majors. Houston's right there with them. But, but you know, can you almost go too far to the secondary stuff? Is there a danger there that that he almost tries to lean too much on his secondary stuff because his bread and butter just does not feel like a great matchup for this lineup? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely the case. You want to beat the best, but you want to use your best to try beat their best. I mean. If- if you have a hitter like Jordan Alvarez who is worse against lefties, you might think, oh, I'll go get a lefty. 
well, he crushes those two. There's always two sides to all the data. So, no, I definitely agree that it, it could be a tendency for him to shy away from his fastball, which for the bulk of the season was his best pitch by a, a fair amount. Uh, but you can't shy away from it when it's your strength as well. You just have to meet at their strength and, and hope that you're better that day. So I think you're definitely onto something as far as you have to be very careful not to over or undercompensate anytime you do any kind of data analysis on these situations. A couple more for Brandon Warren, Locked on Twins podcast, Access Twins. We saw Kenta Maeda pitch two innings yesterday. Bailey Ober pitched an inning and a third. So my question then becomes, if Joe Ryan can't go deep into this game, who's the backup? I think it's probably Chris Paddock. Um, but otherwise, it's going to be the whole staff approach. Uh, you know, I think they're hoping Ryan gives them three or four, which allows you to line up guys kind of bang, 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 one after the other. Uh, or maybe Paddock goes a couple innings no matter what. But um, other than that, you know, it's uh, you got to win today to get to tomorrow. So they're, they're not thinking too far ahead of other than just like inning one, inning two, inning three. And uh, I think that's scary enough. So they're going to want Ryan to give them some depth, but if he can't, uh, my money's on Paddock being the next guy out of the shoot. And, of course, you know, the one guy they won't touch is Pablo Lopez because he's lined up to pitch on Friday in a potential Game 5 against Justin Verlander back in Houston if the Twins can get the win here today. Win or lose, uh, Brandon, you already said the Twins have, have acquitted themselves very well here. How We see a Houston lineup here. It does it all over the field. They have got this championship experience because they've played in six straight American League championship series, and that core is still very much a part of this group. How valuable is the experience that these young twins hitters and pitchers have gotten here in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, it's so hard. You you always want postseason experience, but you can't get it until you finally get there. And then it's such a fleeting case. You know, sometimes you get there and you're a young player and you never get back again. So um, the experience certainly has a lot of value. I think playing next to experienced guys adds to that value, like a Royce Lewis next to a Carlos Correa. So um, it's invaluable. They even said that too, like Bailey Ober pitching in a game that was kind of a blowout. Still value in him knowing what that feels like on the field, what that vibe is like. So, yeah, they've acquitted themselves very, very well. They've looked like they belong. And losing to Houston, the defending champion, would certainly not be a, a shameful thing whatsoever. You mentioned it. We saw a 100-win Baltimore team get swept out of the playoffs. The AL East, which looked like the best division in baseball all season long, goes 0-5 in the postseason, and four of those five games are played at the home of the AL East team. The Dodgers are on the verge of getting knocked out in the division series again. Atlanta's on the verge of getting knocked out in the division series again. These are amongst the best teams in baseball all season long. How much does this underscore the randomness of playoff baseball? I don't care if it's best of three, best of five, best of seven, best of 11 wouldn't matter. There's still randomness here. No question about it, and that's what I love about it. I I don't want the idea that you can just spend all the money, make the playoffs, get to the World Series, and win it every single year. Um, I think the Mets tried to do that, and it failed miserably, and I'm glad for that. Not because I don't think that the money should be spent, but because I like the idea that everyone has a chance to do it their way and still get there. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm loving watching Arizona for one. I'm sure you're not. But uh, <laughs> teams like that, I love to see them kind of uh, ruffle some feathers. I'm excited to see where they go, and I'm hopeful and excited to see where the Twins go as well. Uh, the game time, again, 6 p.m., coverage at 5 here on KDAL. Where can people find you post game, Brandon? Uh, we're going to do a Locked on Twins postcast with uh, Luke Inman. Otherwise, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, just look for Locked on Twins. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this.
Be good. All right, Brandon Warren, Access Twins, the Locked On Twins podcast as well. Find that via the YouTube. Says, yeah, this is I, – I worry because, again, like I said, Joel Ryan is – it doesn't feel like the pitcher for this lineup. But maybe – you know, maybe the key here is you get a couple innings out of him and you, you flip the order and you put you know, Chris Paddock in there for a couple innings and, and you get what you can out of guys. You know, the reality is you've got enough players in this bullpen, you know, whether it be Paddock or Pagan or, or Griffin Jacks, Joan Duran, Brock Stewart, the list goes on. The list of relief pitchers available is pretty long. There, there's probably literally one guy in Pablo Lopez they ain't going to touch today. And if you can find a way to win this game, you know you've got the day off tomorrow. You can reset, recalibrate, and see what you have for Friday, but you got to get there first. All hands on deck. Coverage at 5. First pitch a little after 6. Ryan versus Urquidy. Twins versus Astros here on KDAL. 1024 is our time. Kevin Falness, Minnesota Wild Radio Network, joins after the news. Kind of an impromptu Bruce Siski Show Wednesday morning edition on KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Krim. The 24th-ranked University of Minnesota volleyball team visits Michigan tonight, trying to snap a three-match losing streak. We'll have more next. We are professionals. We are family and friends. We are volunteers. We are community partners. We are a team dedicated to helping you succeed. We help protect and serve America's businesses. When you need us, we're here to help. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. Rated A-plus superior by AM Best Company. The radio voice of Gopher Volleyball, Tanner Hoops, chatted with Gopher senior Kylie Murr in Ohio State transfer, and they previewed tonight's match at Michigan and more. Michigan's always one you get up for, Ryan, whether you're with Ohio State or Minnesota. Yeah. That's always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love playing them. I have the coaches at Ohio State. We would cross out all the M's. It was just like a tradition. So I had them do that for me the other week, and I anticipate it happens again this week, but it's always someone I'm excited to play. What's the road environment like there? I mean, at Ohio State, it was feisty like they came for us. I mean, we're their big rivals, but I anticipated it being the exact same when we step in there. How do you feel like you've uh, settled into Keegan's system here? I love it. I mean, it's fun. It's like, as you can tell, like we're still working on things, but I think everyone has good intentions and is working in the right direction. So I've enjoyed it so far and I'm growing individually as a player and moving forward. I want to go play pro and I think he's getting me ready for that and that's all I can ask for. What's the uh, mood in the locker room right now? I, I still believe. I still have hope in these group of girls. Things aren't ideal right now, but spirits are still high. I still love seeing their faces every day. It's not a personal thing, so we still enjoy being around each other and sharing that friendship, but we still have things to work on, obviously. That's Kylie Murr and Tanner Hoops, and that's the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. Take us with you on your mobile with the free KDAL radio app. It's all I listen to. Plenty more to come on this Wednesday morning. Again, if you're just joining us, maybe you don't know, Twins game has been shifted. 1 o'clock was the scheduled start. Instead, they are beginning at 6 p.m. Our coverage at 5. And Brad Bennett's sound off will be heard at its normal time from 11 to 2 today here on KDAL. We continue on the Bruce Siski Show coming up as we talk to the man behind the Minnesota Wild Radio Network, Kevin Falness. We'll preview the Wild season 
as it opens up tomorrow night. Kevin Falmus after CBS News 1031 on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. It's really impossible to turn a profit if you serve real chicken. Yeah, we use mainly bats. What? Yeah, but the, the good quality kind. Do you know what they call bats? Bats. Chicken of the cave. No one calls them chicken of the cave. Why don't you have a bite and stop judging it? I'm not going to bite into a fried bat. It's delicious. It's all tendon. Look at it. Was that a bat? Chicken of the cave. On 610 at FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.36. Tomorrow, UMD men's hockey associate coach Adam Krause. Also, we'll talk some women's hockey tomorrow with assistant coach Emma Sobiak. I'll be out. Dave will be running that tomorrow from 10 to 11. I'm back in studio on Friday. Northern Michigan coach Grant Patalny, UMD women's senior alternate captain Clara Van Weeren, and UMD men's hockey junior alternate captain forward Dominic James all on the radio show on Friday. Very busy hockey weekend. Doubleheaders on Friday and Saturday from Amsoil. Both doubleheaders right here. On KDAL. Joining us now as we begin the Minnesota Wild season tomorrow night at home against the Florida Panthers, the one, the only, thank heavens, Kevin Fallness, Minnesota Wild Radio Network. Good morning. What happened to Indefatigable Bowl? I forgot how to say it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) And then you just ditched me. Ah, That's That's not necessarily true. No, we're glad there's only one of you. I'd get confused if there was more than one of you running around. Uh, you know what? I think there's a lot of people in my life that would echo that sentiment, and that's <laughs> fine. One of me is more than enough for me, too. I can understand. Uh, how's summer, man? Short. You know, I think everybody says that, but it's uh, it's just funny. When the season ends, and you know as well as anyone, when the season ends, bang, it's done, and you're moving on to the, the next phase. And when the summer ends, bang, it's done. We were in training camp. I had the prospects in here. And lo and behold, we made it all the way through six preseason games. Training camp is done, and now we're on the eve of another regular season opener. So I think everybody's excited, everybody's healthy, everybody's ready to rock and roll, and we're having fun with it. Uh, The uh, Tom Curvers Prospect Showcase before training camp, uh, did you get to watch any of those games? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I mean, and it shows, I think more than anything, the the depth of the the prospects in this organization. There, There was a time not too long ago and, and it was nothing against Chuck Fletcher. This, this team was just at a place where they were, you know, in, in a win-now mode, and he would deal draft picks. And you got the Zuckers, you got the Granlins, you got the Coils, and all the guys on the NHL level. But down there in Houston slash Iowa, there was nothing. And that isn't the case anymore. You, you look just on their blue line. When you look at names like, and, and for some of your listeners, they'll know, Lambos and O'Rourke and Damon Hunt. I mean, these are guys that are knocking on the door for an NHL spot. Probably not this year could fill in in a pinch, but very soon these are some of the young guys that are going to be in their lineup, and these are the guys that are on display during the weekend, uh, that, that Tom Curvis Prospect Showcase. It's uh, it's amazing how quickly Bill Guerin and Judd Brackett have been able to turn things around down there to you know fill the coverage here in this organization. And now a new coach in Iowa, too, with Brett McLean, and, and I know there's some excitement from Billy Guerin. We talked to him last week when the team was up here in Duluth, and you know, there's excitement with that Iowa team because they they feel like you know there's a lot like you said guys that are knocking at the door that that are that are on the cusp and, and almost ready 
and and we're going to start to see these guys soon. You mentioned Ryan O'Rourke's name. That guy excites me. Not necessarily because I think he's, he's this flashy defenseman, but because he's something the Wild don't have a whole lot of. That big physical, you know, that brutish defenseman. The Wild don't have a lot of those in the organization. And that's what's so great about this, you know. If uh, and I think Dean Evison spoke of this coming into the start of training camp and preseason, having watched that showcase. Now you don't have to just grab the best guy available. If you've got a guy that you need to fill a role, let's say, you know, God forbid, knock on wood, it doesn't happen, Jake Middleton goes down, you got a guy like a, a Ryan O'Rourke you could pull up. Uh, and it's the same thing up front. You know, if you have a uh, Sammy, uh, a, a role that's comparable to Sammy Walker, go down and pull him up. Or maybe it's an Adam Beckman. Maybe it's a Nick Patan. They've got some great options down there, and it doesn't have to be just one or two guys uh, to fill that role. It could be any guys, depending on what it is that you need to fill. This was a very boring, wild off season in a lot of respects, and it's nothing anybody did wrong. It, it's like you, you know, we, we talked so much about the, the 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 salary cap situation, the the buyout cap hits, and, and this year and next year are the worst years for these buyout cap hits. And and Billy Garen and, and Chris O'Hearn and that staff have got to find a way to navigate that. And, and they've got a, they've they've got a roster. They've 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 got all the players they can have on the NHL roster. And and you know, training camp was just a matter of trying to keep guys healthy unfortunately it didn't work out Jared Spurgeon's banged up here he missed the first uh, a week or so hopefully not a whole lot more than that of the regular season Kevin but you know this was a team that we could have drawn the the lines up and everything on paper back in August and it would have turned out to be accurate yeah there wasn't a whole lot of wiggle room uh, that's for sure and you know and they'll be the first to admit they did this to themselves by buying out Parisian suitor and it just kind of this is what it kind of, where it kind of left them. But at the same time, this is a team that had 100 points last year. It is a team that got into the playoffs. We know that their struggles getting out of the first round are well documented, but this is still a very talented team. And you, you look right at the top of that top line led by Kirill Kaprizov, a guy that you know can score 40 goals just by blinking. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's a little bit more difficult than that for him. But still, he's, he's an elite player in the National Hockey League, certainly in the top 10, if not higher, um, and then go down from there. Matt Boldy, uh, uh, another guy that is coming into his own. On the blue line, they're well stacked. And it would be nice to have Jared Spurgeon healthy and 100% to start the season. But when all things are equal back there on the blue line, you feel pretty good a- about what they got there. And then, of course, in goal, you got the combination of Philip Gustafson and Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think most feel pretty comfortable with what they've got between the pipes. So there's no reason to think that this team shouldn't contend for a playoff spot once again, I don't know that I would pick them as a favorite to win the Central Division, but I think they should be right there in contention, and I don't think 100 points should be out of their grasp. Uh, Kevin Fallon, this Minnesota Wild Radio Network, joining us. Uh, you mentioned Kirill Kaprizov, and, and I don't know if you've heard the stories from, from the uh, trip to Duluth last week, but uh, they practiced last Tuesday at Amsville Arena. There's maybe twelve to 1,500 people showed up. A lot of kids they got pulled out of school for this and to, to go check out the Wilds practice and try to get an autograph from Kirill Kaprizov. And I, I said this last week. I, 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 was, I talked about it with some people at the rink, you know, it's one thing to have a, a star player who knows that he's a star. It's another thing to have a star player who knows he's a star and he gets it. And, and Kirill, you know, last time that the Wilder up here, I felt like he, he's out there trying to sign for as many people as he can. He he did even more of that after practice. He was out there for a good 20 minutes doing nothing but signing jerseys and cards and hats and whatever people could throw over the glass to him. Kirill gets it, Kevin. And, and that it makes him even more special than what he can do on the ice. 
Yeah, he's one of the good guys. And I'll, I'll be honest, in 20-some years of, of watching this team and seeing the guys come and go through the turnstiles, I can only think of maybe a handful of guys that weren't good people. Maybe one or two off the top of my head that I won't name. But Kirill Kaprizov is on, complete name names. Spectrum. No, I'm not, I won't <laughs> name any names. But I tell you what, Kirill Kaprizov is definitely the real deal, uh, both on and off the ice. And I think the, the best part about this is he's getting more and more comfortable in his skin. It, it, I, you know, the Kirill Kaprizov from a couple of years ago that came over from Russia and landed in North America and, and was trying to make a full-time gig over here is not the same guy that's here now. I mean, he's comfortable with the language. He's comfortable talking to the media. I think for the most part, there's still, you know, maybe a little bit of, of, of nervousness and nervous energy when he's in front of a microphone. But you can tell he's got the ears of his teammates. And, you know, that's a big reason why they put the letter on his sweater uh, going into this season to replace Matt Dumba as one of the alternate captains of this team. Uh, you know, it, it speaks volumes, uh, not only how they feel about Kirill Kaprizov, but you can see that he's just become more and more comfortable with his situation. So that, that's huge for the Wild. It's one thing that I think what he does on the ice is second nature. The stuff off the ice where he's learning the language and learning what it's like here in North America and the best place to get borscht in, uh, in St. Paul, uh, that's the stuff that he's learning. And he's really taken that, uh, you know, and wrapped his arms around it in a big way. Kevin, uh, the Wild have extended some contracts here in the last week or so. Matt Zuccarello gets a couple of years. Marcus Foligno gets four years. Ryan Hartman gets a three-year extension worth $12 million. And, you know, it's amazing, you know, you let guys go for nothing and people complain. And then you re-sign guys that you think are important to your team and people complain about that as well. But the, the Hartman one, to me, it, it felt so obvious it had to happen because a guy like Ryan Hartman, who he, yeah, he can play wing, he can play center. He's not Is he the best center in the NHL? No. He's a legit top nine NHL center. You're not going to find a veteran top nine center who can do the things Ryan Hartman does for $4 million on the open market. That, that's a steal. Yeah, and especially playing on the, on the top line. And, you know, the other one that was obvious was signing Zuccarello. It's a two-year deal. He'll be 38 when it concludes. But, you know, when your best player on the team has a guy that he's that comfortable with, when you talk about Matt Zuccarello, you know, it, it's on you. you you got to figure out a way to get him under lock and key, and they've got that. And, and now with these contracts, with the Hartman, Foligno, and Zuccarello, even though they're all going to be in their 30s at some point when these contracts expire – it bridges the gap between the here and now and the future of this team because now you got an opportunity to get these young guys, whether it's a Houston Dinov or a Yurov over there in Russia or some of these college guys or even the guys down there in Iowa, you have an opportunity to, to bridge that gap, kind of like what they're doing with, with using Fleury and, and, to some respect, Gustafson to bridge the gap to the coming of uh, a Jesper Volstead. So I, 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 don't, I can't claim to have the vision that a Judd Brackett or a Bill Guerin have, but I can see what they're doing here, and, and, and I like it. This team is going to get young in a hurry in the next few years, and now they can use these veterans to kind of bridge that gap. A couple more here for Kevin Fallon, this Minnesota Wild Radio Network on the back end. Really the only significant roster change anywhere on, on this team is in the back end where, where Matt Dumba goes to the Arizona Coyotes as a free agent, and here comes Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. Watching him last week with Jonas Brodine at practice, Kevin, and watching the, the times I've gotten to see him playing games Boy, the skating Brock Faber can fly, man. He, you know, as good a skater as Jonas Brodin is, he might have a rival as his defensive partner. Brock Faber is a really good skater, and, and those two have a chance to be dynamic together. 
Well, I don't think you should come in to any surprise because uh, Pat Micheletti had him in the uh, Hall of Fame before he played one NHL game. Fair. So <laughs> he may not be trajecting quite that high yet, but I'll tell you, I think the best part about this is what what Faber does for Brodeen is the same thing Brodeen does for Faber because they're both such smooth skaters. They kind of supply a little safety net for the other one because neither one of them likes to take a lot of offensive chances. But I think that's something that they're pushing for, and I think that's something we're going to see as the season develops, especially with Spurgeon out of the lineup. I mean, these guys are going to get the lion's share of the minutes back there on, the, on that blue line. And when you've got Faber back there and you know you got him in your back pocket, it's on Jonas Brodeen to take uh, you know, take some, some chances there offensively. And the same thing is vice versa. As fluent as a skater as, uh, as Brock Faber is, wonderful defender, he needs to add that offensive component to his game. I, I think we saw flashes of it. On his college, in his college career, and, and even in the playoffs last year, I remember a couple of times where he got a little squirrely and got up in the play. But playing with Jonas Brodin, he's going to have that, that opportunity to show off some of that offensive prowess. And if they start doing that, I think the two of them can be a real dynamic duo here in the National Hockey League. The opener tomorrow night against America's team, the Florida Panthers. Copyright Michael Russo, 7 o'clock over on AM 710. Okay. Uh, how, <laughs> I knew you'd like that. How uh, how much uh, did the wild coaching staff structure training camp and, and try to in, in the preseason even to try to prioritize a good start to this year? Because last year certainly wasn't. Yeah, and it's too bad because they had an awesome preseason last year. We know what that means. Nothing, really. Yeah, nothing. Uh, and, you know, it means nothing. And even this year, you know, they got five of six in the preseason. What does that mean when they drop the puck on Thursday? Absolutely nothing. But I think they tried to structure it a little bit better. They, they tried to put a little more emphasis on, you know, the, the, the conditioning and, and, and even the game action where they had basically the varsity lineup in for the final two games of the preseason. That game in Chicago, that game against the Stars on a Saturday night in St. Paul, uh, it was basically the varsity. Now, of course, that cost him Jared Spurgeon. He got hit with an awkward hit, and he's out with an upper body injury week to week uh, from that shot that he took from Reese Johnson in uh, the uh, United Center. But overall, I think I can see why the, you know, I, I, I don't want to say they didn't take preseason seriously last year, but I think some of the veterans wanted to kind of skate through it. And they paid the price early on. It, they had such a nice opportunity to start the season there with a ton of home games, and they squandered it. It was a horrible start to the season. They were able to rebound from it, but I think they want to hit the ground running, and, and they get the opportunity here. It's an interesting slate to start the season with you know, the home game against Florida, then you have a quick trip to Canada against Toronto and Montreal, then you're back home against the L.A. Kings. Uh, you know, This is a meaty little start to the, to the schedule here, and uh, it'll be. It should be fun. A good way to get things going, and I think they feel like they've tackled their former demons. Joe O'Donnell, Tom Reed, Kevin Faulness all season long over on AM 710. Kevin, thank you as always, sir. The pleasure was mine. Goodbye, Bruce. Be good. Kevin Faulness, Minnesota Wild Radio Network, 645 for the coverage tomorrow night. Wild v. Panthers on AM 710. 1050, going to wrap things up in a moment. Wednesday morning edition, Bruce Siski Show, 610-103.9 KDAL.